Well, I do series. Let me just say, some people don't understand why I do what I do. And um, I teach in series because uh, one of the giftings God placed in my life many years ago was that of a teacher. I was a teacher before I was a pastor, Ephesians 4.11. And uh, uh, he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Some translations read pastors who are also teachers. So uh, that's interesting. I think anybody's really, really a God-called, God-anointed pastor should also be a teacher of the Word because that's how you learn, right? So uh, it's not just preaching, it's teaching. Somebody said you ought to be able to teach what you preach and preach what you teach. So by the grace of God, hopefully we can do all of that. But uh, nonetheless, that's the reason I do what I do. And sometimes God hijacks my messages and, and uh, takes me on a journey. And we've been doing that a good bit lately. Nonetheless, uh, this series is, and I don't know how far we're going. I'm purposely trying to slow down a little bit on this one to help you. This is how to hear the voice of God in the details of life. You know, uh, when, when I was a young man, uh, people would come to our services at my church and I'd just come to the Lord uh, just before I was 18. And, 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 you know, the pastor said it. Guest speakers would say it. And it was kind of a new thing to me. they say, well, the Lord spoke to me. I thought, man, if my ears were a dog's ears, they would prick up and look for or a, or a horse's ears. You know, they, 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 that was me. Well, God spoke? And when they would say, well, the Lord said, or God spoke to us. Man, I would love for God to speak to me. I would love to know what his voice sounds like. Because as a young man, I was thinking, I got my whole life ahead of me. And, and if I can hear God talking to me, and I, if I can know what to do in every area, I'll be successful in life. And I was just, you know, 20, 18 years old when I was thinking, I was thinking, man, if I could just hear God. And how many know, now we're living in a time, that, boy, you need to hear God. You need to hear God about your job, about your finances, about your family about your person, about where you go, who you're with, what you do, right? If you ever needed to hear God, today's the day you need to hear. So I want to talk to you in a practical way over the next while. I don't know how long this is going to take because I get on these little side journeys and, and the Holy Spirit does that. How many think it's okay? He does that because he wants to minister life to us. God wants us to know his voice and God's created us in such a way. See, now he's just kicked in. <laughs> None of this is in my notes. You know, when he first created Adam in the garden and he came down in the day, in the evening to talk with him. <clears throat> you know, I just don't think we understand how much he loves to fellowship with us. And we get so distracted today. We've got our gadgets. And now everybody's more distracted than ever in the history of the whole world. Because they have the phone in their hand at all times. Is that true? I mean, they'll about run, run you off the road because they got the phone in their hand. But God, he's never left that desire to communicate. He communicated with Adam and Eve. It broke his heart the day he came. He said, Adam, where are you? I just want to talk. Where are you? He's still saying that today. He's calling your name. Where are you? Because he's wanting to talk. He's wanting to speak. And he's made us in such a way that we can hear his voice if we learn to listen. And we have so many voices. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, there are so many voices in the world and none of them without signification. There's so many voices, those voices often drown out the voice of God and the, and the most important voice. Would you agree with that? That I could ever hear is God's voice. Would you agree? It'll change your life. Hearing God's voice will change your life, change the direction, your focus, Take the uh, stress, the anxiety, the fear of the unknown away from you and know that regardless of where you are, he's got you. Isn't that great? Would you lift your hands with me a minute? I don't want you sense there, but the presence of God will change you. Lord, we worship you, son. Ministry is not a show. Let there come into the atmosphere of this room, O oh Father, a reverence for you, a respect.
a respect for your word, a respect for you and all of you. Forgive us for being just trite, surface, calloused. Help us to put ourselves in position, oh God, to hear you in Jesus' name. You know, Romans 8, uh, man. Romans 8, 14. The Apostle Paul, he's really talking to believers who knew the Lord very well. He said, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Talking about daughters too. He was emphasizing as you grow and mature in God, he will lead you. And you will learn his voice very clearly. And then he said in verse 15, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Perhaps he was making reference to when his presence came down on top of Mount Sinai in Exodus 19. Moses was summoned to the top of the mountain and the people were afraid to even touch the mountain. There was thundering and lightning and shaking and it was... uh, it was a wild thing for the presence of, of the God of the universe to come down on top of a mountain in Israel. And he did. And they were afraid. And he said, God, you didn't receive the spirit of bondage to fear. You don't have to be a, afraid of God. You respect him. But you received the spirit of adoption. We were not a people. But how many know we've become the people of God? You were nothing. You were a nobody. You're from somebody's family. And God said, come and join mine. The benefits of adoption in the New Testament when Paul wrote this were tremendous. Adoption meant all of the laws, all of the controls, all of the things that held your life to a certain family when you were born, when you were adopted in Roman law, immediately ceased All of your past ceased and you became the legal heir of a new family as if you were born into that family with all of the rights and all of the privileges that that family had. And that's why when he said you've been adopted, you received the spirit of adoption. See, God just doesn't tolerate us. He loves us. You know, like I love my kids and now my grandkids when they... When they come up and they just want, they just have their hands in the air. They want me to pick them up. I can't help but do that. When you'll come with your hands in the air and you say, Father, I worship you. He's going to be like a father. Or like a, for me, a grandfather. How many hear me? The spirit of adoption. By whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit, now here it is. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. That we are the children of God. See, God bears witness not to your head. And not to your circumstances, but he speaks where he is in us. And he is, and we'll cover this in lessons later. He's in our spirit. Everybody say, my spirit nature was designed by God to communicate with him. See, you are a spirit. We'll cover it in another lesson. I mean, the body dies, the shell goes, but the spirit moves on after death. You are an eternal spirit. God communicates you with you where he is. Deep inside in your spirit nature. The Bible often, see I'm getting off the notes. Bible often calls the spirit the heart. The heart of a matter is the center of a matter. So the, the Bible will often talk about the heart, not the, not the heart that pumps blood, but it's talking about the center or core of a man's being. And that's where God deals with us. Deep, deep inside. And so he says here, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And then Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27, the spirit of man is the lamp. Now get in your mind's eye a lamp. In fact, the King James Version in the 70s, I would read the King James when I first came to the Lord. The spirit of man is the lamp. Think about a lamp sitting on a table. Or the candle, I meant to say. The spirit of man is the candle. Think about a candle. The lights are out. There's no electricity. You light the candle. It gives light to the house. The spirit of man is the candle. Or today would say the lamp of the Lord. What does that mean? That means inside of us, he enlightens us. He shows us things inside. Light 
in the place of darkness. The spirit of man is the kindle or lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. New King James says, Passion Translation, the spirit God breathed into man is like a living lamp. That's pretty good. A shining light searching into the inmost chamber of our being. Now, what is that telling us? That means as we tool through life, whether we're working or whether we're going to school or whether we're doing domestic, domestic things at home or whether we're shopping or, you know, just doing the things that make life life in relationships with our spouses, with our children, our grandchildren, our friends, our coworkers, we're at work, whatever we're doing, God is involved in that and he wants to give us direction in every area. Yes or no? So again, when I was a young believer, I'd hear people say, well, God said this or God said this. Well, how do, you, how do you know his voice? How do you know? How do you discern between your own thoughts, all of us? And now I think our thoughts are in overdrive because, you know, there, 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 there's so many things that pummel us every day. I mean, we have so many uh, avenues for information. That's just nuts, isn't it? And, and, and the problem today is people don't get quiet. And it's only in the quiet place. There's a man of God that one of my friends knew. He was a protege of a contemporary of Smith Wigglesworth. And he would often go, and the man had a little garden in the back of his large house. And uh, this is in England. And, uh, and he'd find him sitting on a bench. And he'd come down and say, what are you doing? He said, just sitting. So what are you thinking about, the Lord? So what are you doing? Just being quiet. If you want to hear God, you've got to find a place to get your mind quiet. We don't do that. Years ago, and I think it's still true because Susan has this, a woman's intuition. Years ago, before the world changed after World War II, women generally were at home with the children, doing domestic things at home, cooking cleaning the house, keeping the children, doing things. The man was out earning the bread and butter, so to speak. Now things have changed. Now everybody's in the workforce. And you about got to be because you got to pay your bills, right? So, you know, it's a different world. But they would talk about a woman's intuition. Why, why would they use the term a woman? Why, why do you hear that phrase, a woman's intuition? Because women, more so than men in the time when that was said, uh, spent more time alone and quiet. And I think even now, even though women are busy, I've noticed Susan has quite a bit of intuition. I wish I'd listened to it more than I have. <laughs> right, Susan? That's right. So if I just need to know the will of God, I just ask Susan. I'm just joking. <laughs> but I do consult her because, you know, that intuition thing. And I think maybe it's the way a woman is created to bear children. They have mothering instinct, the intuitive mother instinct. See, I think that's something there. And, and you're more in tune with the Spirit of God. Can be more in tune with the Spirit of God. Because you tend to be more reflective, perhaps, because of just your nature, perhaps. Not all women, but I know Susan's that way. And I'd say most women in here probably be that way. Would you agree, men? You better say yes. That's all I can say. I'm purposely slowing down a little bit today. How do, you, how do you receive guidance? Do you wait for an open door? So I hear this all the time. Well, I'm just waiting for God to open the door. Let me tell you something about open doors. Sometimes you've got to push them down. And sometimes you just stand. And having done all to stand, sets a jaw. I ain't budging because God said do that, right? Is that true? So if you're led by open doors, you could be disillusioned. Uh, a lot of people look for other people to uh, look towards other people to receive guidance. I want to tell this little story. A lot of people do what Gideon did in the book of Judges, and they put out, everybody, anybody ever heard of putting out a fleece? You know, you get a piece of wool. He had a big old piece of wool from his, you know, sheep. And uh, listen to the story. Judges 6, 36, then Gideon said to God, the Amalekites were whipping the backside of the Israelites. And man, it was tough. And God said to Gideon, then Gideon said to God, God said, I want you to go whip the enemy. And everybody was afraid of them. They were hiding from the enemy. They were stealing their food. And they would come during harvest season and just wreak havoc in Israel. 
Nonetheless, you can read the rest of that. But then verse 36, Gideon said to God, If you're truly going to use me to rescue Israel as you promised, prove it to me in this way. I will put a wool fleece on the threshing floor tonight. If the fleece is wet with dew in the morning, but the ground is dry, then I will know that you're going to help me rescue Israel as you promised. And that's just what happened. When Gideon got up early the next morning, he squeezed the fleece and wrung out a whole bowl full of water. A lot of dew that night. Then Gideon said to God, please don't be angry with me, but let me make one more request. Let's do it again, Lord, if this is really you. Let me use the fleece for one more test. This time let the fleece remain dry when the ground around is wet with the dew. So that night God did as Gideon asked. The fleece was dry in the morning, but the ground was covered with dew. Now what is that? That's using circumstances to determine the will of God. Now, that might be okay for somebody like Gideon who lived in the Old Testament who didn't have the Holy Spirit living in them, but that is not okay for a believer who has the Holy Spirit dwelling in them. Is that true? It's not okay. In fact, uh, I mentioned to Robert, I went over there and said, remember this, uh, years ago we were looking for property. We're in Laversboro Road, and uh, man, we, we looked at, so then we looked at a lot of property around here. Boy, I mean. And, um, and we looked at this piece of property. I won't even tell you where it is. But uh, anyway, it was a big piece by, what, 25 acres of land or so. And it's a good, look, good parcel of, uh, of land and all. And, uh, and so the man came and met with us. And, you know, we walked the property and such. And, and we might have done it a couple of times. I think we went out there more than once. So finally, uh, Robert told me, the man said, well, I'll tell you what. Uh, I'm going to put out a fleece. And if God answers the fleece, I'll sell it to you. If he doesn't, I won't sell it to you. Well, I reckon God didn't answer his fleece because we're not there. But it shocked me. Here's an, an educated businessman putting out a fleece, doing what, doing what Gideon did. Now, this is humbling. But after Susan and I uh, had been married a few years, uh, second Bible school we had graduated from, I was living in Oklahoma, and uh, we were going back to visit my, uh, our parents in December of that year. And this was, you know, maybe July. I think it was July. And we went and took a week or so and, uh, and drove back to South Carolina to visit family and such. And, uh, and so I had, you know, this is my second Bible school, you know. I'm the man of faith and power, you know. I'm ready to go out and do something for God. And uh, I was wanting the Lord to release me and let me go, you know, do what I'm called to do, pastor, preach, teach. Cause, uh, you know, I wasn't doing anything. I was just working in a grocery store at the time. And um, I said, okay, Lord, I'll tell you what, we're going to go. And Susan had uh, a pastor friend and his wife, or they were friends of hers from her youth. When she was a young person, she attended their church, and she respected them a lot. And we had planned, or I don't know how that happened. We didn't have the Internet. I guess that we had called them. But we were going to meet with them when we got back into town. And, uh, and so uh, we went, and uh, so I knew we were going to meet with them. So I said, Lord, you know, it's just time for me to get out and minister to Second Bible School. Let's go do it. So I said, I'll tell you why. Here's what, here's what, I, what I ask you to do. If, if we sit down in his office... And, and if we talk to, to this pastor, friends of Susan, and if he says, well, why don't you come and be my associate pastor? That will be a sign to me that that's the will of God. Now I thought that was fair. And I never thought about Gideon, and I knew better. But I didn't think I was, quote, unquote, putting out a fleece like Gideon did. I just thought, well, this is smart. So I prayed that. Did I even tell you I prayed that way? You did? I said, well, so anyway, we drove to South Carolina, met with her parents, all my parents. They were both in the same city at the time. And uh, then we had the meeting with the pastor. We got to the office, and he had an office in a little, uh, uh, a little office place separate from where he had church. I think he had church in a school or something. And anyway, we sat there. We're sitting there, and we're exchanging howdy-do's and catching up and, you know, how you doing, how's, how's Bible school, yada, yada, and talking all that. And we talked for a few minutes, and... And then uh, we, oh, I said, How you, how's your church doing? Well, no, no, we talked about church and this and that. And then he said, well, why don't you come and be my associate pastor? Oh, man, when he said that, it's like, I looked at Susan like, I don't know, Susan now. Now, Susan, if we're together and, and she wants to get my attention, she'll touch my leg with her foot.
And I'm sure she did then because I went, oh boy. And when he said that, I said, okay. And we went back to Tulsa. And we packed our boxes, give our resignation. I had a really good job. I was one of the, uh, I worked in a grocery store. I was the night man at one of the night managers. I had a good job, made good money. She had a good job. And uh, put our resignations in, packed our boxes, moved to South Carolina. I became associate pastor. No, no staff, no pay. I had to go find a, I had to go find a job tent-making trade like Paul did. So I went and worked in a grocery store. Susan found a job eventually. But y'all, I missed God 1,200 miles. During that time, I injured my uh, ring finger. And now I have uh, some scar tissue there. And every time I look at it, it reminds me, Mitch, number one, don't get ahead of God. Secondly, don't be full of pride. Thirdly, don't put out a fleece. And think that when something happens, that that determines the will of God. Even if you ask the Lord if this happens, because the devil can do something like that too. How many hear me? Now, I, need, I told you that story, and I slowed down a little bit here because, let me tell you what happened in the middle of all that. So, so he said, come and be my associate. I got that as the will of God, said okay. But while we were packing boxes and resigning our jobs and looking to the future and figuring out how we're going to do this, and uh, inside of me, I felt a scratch. Like, what's going on with you? Why are you doing this? You don't need to do this. This is wrong. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't. Y'all hear that? Don't do this. Because something inside of me was going off. And I'm thinking, I'm feeling scratchy. I don't feel comfortable. Something's not right. But here's my problem. He that swears to his own hurt and changes not. Psalm 15 says is the person that'll... Dwell with the Lord. So I equated that. Well, I'm, I've got to do what I said. I said I'm coming. I told all my friends I'm coming. I've already told my job I'm going. Uh, Susan's told her job. I'm not looking back now. I'm going to go do it. And y'all, I missed God because of my pride. What I should have done is, y'all, I thought I heard God. But I got something inside of me telling me not to do that. But I didn't listen to that. And I let pride get in the way. Now, you know, I was really young. I was uh, 22 when that happened. And that has been one of the best lessons in life that I have ever learned. How many hear me? So I learned if you want to hear God, you know, number one, don't get full of pride. And, and really, even before that, don't put out a fleece and say, God, if you want me to do this, then you do that. Because the devil will accommodate you if he can. How many hear that? Uh, you, I know some of you are looking at me like, well, I've been doing that a lot. Well, stop. <laughs> You know, people try to, you know, try to hear from God all kinds of different ways when I first came to the Lord. Everybody okay? I'm just kind of cooling my jets today a little bit. When I first came to the Lord, I so esteemed my mother. My mother came to the Lord in 1975. She was, a, well, she knew the Lord before then, but she was a, a teacher and a, a Sunday school teacher. Can I just talk to y'all like this? I just need to share this stuff. It's uh, on my heart. Anyway, she was a Sunday school teacher, but got filled with the Holy Spirit against the best wishes of the pastor of our Southern Baptist Church in a Baptist ladies' prayer meeting, February 1975. And she was a changed woman. Uh, and then, you know, she started having experiences with God. And my mother was quite intuitive. In fact, I was uh, coming home late from a date. I was 10 minutes late. And, uh, <clears throat> and so uh, I drove a 1963 Ford Galaxy. It was white. And, uh, and I was late coming home from the date, so I turned left to go down a two-tenths of a mile dirt road to where our house was. And I, and I got up speed, put it in first, put it in second, and cut the engine. Turned it off. And then cut the headlights out, off. Turned them off. And just floated down the road in that big old car. And I knew I had just enough momentum to drive into the driveway and stop and, um, and you know, it was a, a cool summer day, uh, evening, so they had the windows roll, had the windows rolled out on the house, and I had to park on the side of the house where mom and dad was, so I got to be real quiet, so I got out my car, and, uh, you know, pushed the door to, and it went click, and so I got that made, tiptoed across the yard, and then went up, I had to open a door to the porch, and it would kind of squeak, you know, whee, 
So I open the door, come in, put it in, shut it behind me. And I had my hand on the knob. And when I started to put the key into the knob, I heard out of my right ear, what you doing, Mitch? And that was my mama in a rocking chair. Now, frankly, I almost wet my pants, and I'm not kidding. But see, my mama was intuitive. She knew what I was up to. And so when I came to the Lord later on, another year later, it's 1976, I so esteemed my mother. Jesus appeared to her one time in her bedroom. She told me about that many times with tears. So I esteemed my mother, and she would generally know things ahead of time about me. And I had, so, so some people hear from God through their parents. How many hear me? How do you hear from God? Some people put out a fleece. Some people hear from their parents. If you're a young person, you can, you can so esteem your parents that you can't hear from God for yourself. You're waiting on them to tell you what to do. And friend, you're going to get in trouble if you do that. Huh? So I finally went up my mother one day. I had known the Lord for a couple of years. Say, Mama, if you know something from God about me, don't tell me. Don't say a word to me. I'm not even going to ask you. If God shows you a vision, don't tell me about it. Let me pray it out and pray it through. But I had to unhook myself from her coattails. How many hear me? Some people hear from God and, and they, and you know, how, how, how do people receive guidance? Some people are superstitious. Stitious. You ever been around superstitious people? I was working one time at my job in the grocery store, and this is when I first came to the Lord, and this guy uh, was in the back room getting some boxes to go put on the shelves, and this guy, I don't, and, I, and then I dropped something, and I had to sweep, and, and I was right there, and you know how you pick on somebody, so I just got my broom and swept him too, his feet, and when I did it, I thought he was going to hit me and knock me to the floor. He said, don't you ever hit my feet again. I said, don't you ever sweep my feet. I said, sweep your feet? What you? He said, sweep your feet. That's bad news, bad luck. So he was led by superstitious things you ever been around somebody that's led by superstitious things like you break the mirror that seven bad bad years of uh, years of bad luck is that true or this and that and the other whatever i don't know about that because i'm not a superstitious purpose person other people are led by circumstances outward circumstances well god must not want me to do that because that's not working out how many know again that's a gideon way some people are led by logic and reason alone. You ever been around a person, or maybe you are, and boy, you got everything figured out. You got it all on paper. You got it mapped out. You got the trail. I'm going to do this, and then this is going to happen. And this. How many know life doesn't always work out that way? It's a good mathematical equations, but mathematical equations don't always work with life. So again, if you're a cerebral person, logic and reason alone determines how you do what you do. Let me tell you something about the Lord. He often will ask you to do things that are unreasonable. Is that true? Saul, later called Paul, came to the Lord, Acts chapter 9. He was laying on the ground. Jesus knocked him off of his horse, I guess. He was blinded. And he said, Lord, what would you have me do? And Jesus said, go into the city and, and there I'll tell you what to do. Did you know God won't tell you everything? Did you know God will tell you one thing that might not be the main thing? Well, if you want to know, then go do this. And he won't say anything else to you till you do it. I'm just saying some of the things off the cuff as we begin to let you know God thinks differently than we do. We have to have a pan- pattern. We have to pl- have a plan. You can pattern God right out of your life. You can plan God right out of your life. Now, I have that kind of mind. I like to have things done a certain way, and if they're not done a certain way, I want to get upset. And God has to constantly tell me, cool your jet, son, it's okay. I've got a bigger plan than that. God will often ask you to do something that's illogical and unreasonable. I was, uh, I was in a city, Susan, I started a church in a small city in South Carolina, and I kept having this impression. Go 30 miles away and look for a house, because somebody gave us the down pass, spent all my money on the church. I sold my house where we came from in Tulsa, moved to that small town, sold, uh, spent all my money starting the church, had no money to put a down payment on a house. I'd sold my house, used the proceeds, you know. And somebody come up and said, uh, well, I believe uh, I want to give you a down payment on a house. I said, well, that's, I believe that's the Lord. <laughs> so they gave me the money, you know, and uh, we started looking for a house. And I kept having this, and we looked around, I mean, all around where the church was, you know. And every time we looked at a house, pretty house, you know, whatever, 
old, quaint, Victorian, pretty. It's like, I look at Susan, she goes, no, no. And when we wife goes, no, you better listen to your wife going, no. And I did. And uh, so we looked and looked and looked. Finally, I was praying one morning, and I just had an in- intuition. Go 30 miles away to my hometown, look for a house there. I called, make a long story short, I, um, I called a realtor, looked for a house there. And we bought a house 32 miles from my church. Now, my brain said, this is dumb as dirt. When I told people what I was doing, say, I knew they were thinking, you're dumb as dirt. <laughs> you're really dumb. I told pastor friends, you're really dumb. You're really stupid. I said, and I just knew, you know, I got to do, I have to do this. I told my church members, I don't know why, but I'm not kidding. I tried to buy one right here near the, I can't, I got to go there. And so, you know, I didn't know, but later on, Later on, I turned that church over to someone, had a traveling ministry, was an associate pastor in my hometown, and if I hadn't have gone there, I wouldn't be here today. How many hear me? So you just got to understand how God is. He doesn't, he's not, uh, he's not always logical with human logic. God doesn't think the way we do. How many hear me? Then other people, they have to re- listen, whatever. What do you think about this? I'm thinking about doing what you think about it. Well, I'm thinking about doing this. What do you think? And they ask all their friends. They ask the smart people, the dumb people, the inquisitive people. The, you know, they ask all kinds of people, what do you think about this? And they'll tell them what they think. And how many know if you ask everybody what they think, you're going to be nothing but confused? Is that true? Now I want to spend a little bit of time on this one and then move on. Horoscopes, occult. Did you know a lot of people listen to horoscopes? Now, you know, I was praying earlier, and I just, I'm just sure as I'm standing here, there are people in the room here, you look at your horoscope every day because the Lord spoke to me. He gave me the number. I know there's more than two. Deuteronomy 18, 9, when you enter the land the Lord your God's giving you, be very careful not to imitate the detestable customs of the nations living there. For example, never sacrifice your son or daughter as a burnt offering in the arms of Molech, one of the false gods there. It's like abortion today. How many hear me? And do not let your people practice fortune-telling or use sorcery or interpret omens or engage in witchcraft or cast spells or function as mediums or psychics. Or call forth spirits of the dead. That's called necromancy. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. Mm. It's because the other nations have done these detestable things that the Lord your God will drive them out ahead of you. But you must be blameless before the Lord your God. These nations you are about to displace consult sorcerers and fortune tellers. The Lord your God forbids you to do such things. So if you're a young person and then, you know, some people just get caught up in this kind of stuff. If you have anything to do with any of this, fortune telling, horoscopes, all you know, it's demonic. I notice there's a surge of this among the young. With the Harry Potter books, parents, if you let your kids read things like that, you're asking for the demonic realm. In fact, now I don't know about that. I haven't looked at toys in a while because my kids are all grown. But now I've got grandkids and I'm going back, meandering back to the toy aisle. And you got the boogers and spooks. And they'll belt things out. And they'll do stuff. And they got the amazing whatever. You just be aware that, you know, if you're listening to me and not watching, you have to see my antics. It's weird. People don't realize, listen to this, demon spirits hang around objects. Did you know that? I've traveled enough in other countries. I have all kinds of stories. I had a man who was oppressed to the nth degree, had major problems in Tulsa. I was counseling director at a large church. He came in my office one day, and, uh, and anyway, uh, boy, he had a tangled up knot. Or he had a, his problem was like a, a, a tangled up uh, uh, thing of, of uh, strength. It's just terrible. And anyway, I, I got to minister to him. He get, got freer and freer. I gave him some things to do and such. And then just one, we just couldn't get over this one thing. And I was uh, in my office one day. I said, now, now, and I was praying and praying in the spirit. And I, I knew intuitively there's something hindering him that is beyond him. And it's in his house. So, uh, you know, the Lord, if you'll just pray, you just know things inside. So I said, uh, 
tell me about your life, where you've been, and what kind of relics do you have from other countries? And he said he was in the army, and uh, he had been in the Philippines. And he got a hold of some Buddhist temple bells. And they were up on, I don't know how big it was, just said some bells. They were up on a thing in his living room. And I said, well, you know, you need to get rid of the Buddhist temple bells. I'm going to make a long story short. When he did, one part that was troubling him and had for years left. Demonic things. How many know demon spirits are real? Now, they manifest in other countries when we're preaching and ministering. If you say anything about, in fact, I won't do it right now, but they might manifest. If you talk about the blood of Jesus, demon spirits get upset. Now, some people laugh at me when I talk about this. The, 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 the invisible world is very real. How many hear me? You talk, start talking about God, His holiness, Jesus' blood, the sacrifice He played for redemption. It stirs demon spirits up. You hear me? There are children today, they're being demonized by what they play with and what they read. And what they watch. How many hear me? We didn't have these problems many years ago, but things have changed in our nation. And parents, you need to watch over your children. If your grandparents encourage your children to keep your children to keep your grandchildren clean from all that. When I was young, I looked at horoscopes a good bit because I just thought that was just really cool. My mother, my parents had no clue. This is in the '60s. They gave me a Ouija board, and I did the Ouija board, and it Ouija'd the scare right into me, boy. I mean, we had some pretty weird times with that little we. I threw the thing away. I got involved with reading horoscopes. In fact, I won't even tell you what my sign was. I bought the book for my sign, my horoscope sign. Did you know those stars up there have nothing to do with you? They have nothing to do with your personal life. Did you know even the, did you know even the light from the sun takes over eight minutes to get to earth? It's a long ways off, y'all. The nearest star, I looked it up, the nearest star, the nearest star, 4.3 light years. A light year is 186,000 miles per second times however many seconds in a day times how many days in a year. That's a long ways, right? It takes thousands of years for the light from the fathers, for, from the closest star to get to us. And you're telling me those stars know who you're supposed to marry? And those stars know, know what you're supposed to do? And those stars know what kind of conversations you're supposed to avoid today? You're dumb as dirt if you think that. In fact, dirt, dirt's pretty smart because dirt can grow things. That grows nothing but problems. Is it true? The Lord really dealt with me as I was praying, and I, it seems strange to me, but I'm saying this for, I don't know, I just know people in the room, you're looking at horoscopes, you need to stop. Because those are injections of thought that come into your mind. Satan works and travels through thought into the human life. Did you hear me? Huh? Uh, in fact, I'm not even going to go there today, but I've got a, a message on my, my, the mind and controlling your thoughts. In fact, 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant. That word sober actually is the, a word referring to the mind. Be mentally self-controlled. Be ever on your guard because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. What does he do? How does the devil get into a human life through thoughts? When you're reading things like that or you're allowing your kids to watch videos that they shouldn't watch or read Books that have supernatural things that have nothing to do with God. You're, you're, you're opening up suggestions in their, in their psyche that these things are okay. And then demon spirits that are very real can accommodate them. I've had to minister deliverance to children whose parents didn't understand and got the wrong influences. And they're violent and angry and they're uncontrollable. And they don't understand what's happening to them. How many hear me? I know this is Sunday morning, but some of these things need to be said. So if you want to hear God, you've got to cut all that off. So if you're a person watching me online or you're in the room and you've been watching, reading horoscopes and stuff, cut it out, throw the book away, unsubscribe from the website. Don't do that stuff. You're asking for demon forces to wreak havoc in your life.
Again, you know, the devil, he's, uh, he's pretty smart. You know, he's not going to, uh, something that'll hurt you, he's not going to make it taste bad. It's going to look good. And it's going to look like I need to do that. But just understand, you do that, you're asking for trouble. How many hear me? Notice the scriptures about guidance. A lot of people find guidance all kinds of different ways. These are things we shouldn't do. Notice Jeremiah 10, 23. Oh, Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself, is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. How many know we need God? Proverbs 4, 20, uh, Proverbs 20, 24. A man's steps are of the Lord. How then can a man understand his own way? That means God's created us to be guided by him. And when we're off on our own in the flesh, that's the reason people get into such trouble. Psalm 37, 23, the steps of a good man or woman are ordered of the Lord and he delights in his way. Psalm 32, 89, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Isn't that positive? Particularly in the weirdness we're walking through today. Then he said this, verse 9, and this speaks to me. Do not, do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, which must be harnessed with bit and bridle, else they will not come near you. You know what God's saying there? Don't be stubborn and stupid. Don't be stubborn. Listen. Don't buck and haul when somebody says, well, you know, you may want to consider that. No, I want to do this. Now, the real Mitch is stubborn more stubborn than some animals I've known. And you know, God's had to do things for me and to help me to see that Mitch, your stubbornness will be your, will be your downfall. When you humble yourself and admit your mistakes, that's when you're going to be okay. And I'm always reminded of it. Do not be like the horse or mule. Have no understanding. They have to be harnessed with bit and bridle. That is, if you're not smart and don't listen to God, outward circumstances will hem you in really strong. How many hear me? Anybody ever been hemmed in by things that you've done, decisions you've made, thoughts that you've had that you thought were right and ended up being the stupidest thing you've ever done? Is that true? So God said, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Proverbs 16, 3, I love this. Amplified New Testament. Roll your works upon the Lord. Commit, trust them wholly to him. He will cause your thoughts to become agreeable to his will. And so shall your plans be established and succeed. Proverbs 16, 9. A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Or amplified, a man's mind plans his road, but the Lord directs his steps. How many have made plans and preparations to do this or that? And it just didn't work out that way. And God had a better route, a better way to do what you thought was going to be done a certain way. Is that true? Proverbs 18, 28. For you are like my lamp. For you will light my lamp. The Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. So I want to end with this. And this is a little caveat out there. Two kinds of guidance we need. And I'm going to end with this and come back next time and start this again. And um, the first guidance that we... Now he's already stole my thunder. Look at this. General guidance. Specific guidance. Everybody say general guidance. Everybody say specific guidance. Now, if, if you don't submit to general guidance, then you can't get to the second one, specific. If you miss the first one, you can't route around the first, the general guidance, to get to specific from the Lord. Well, what is general guidance? The general guidance of the Word of God. How many know God's designed for us to listen to His Word? If we'll listen to the Word and obey His Word, generally speaking then you know that sets us up and we are a candidate for God to speak deeper. Why? Let me ask you a question. If God has given me the book called the Bible, his word to listen to and to obey and to think about, and if, if I neglect his word, if I don't do what he said in his word, I mean, come on, why would he even want to say anything else to me? I'm not doing what he said to start with. I'd go say, uh, Daddy, I want to go do this and that. Well, did you, did you do what I asked you to do? Well, not yet. He said, well, don't ask me to do that. You haven't done that yet. Two o'clock in the afternoon when I was a little boy in the summertime, we had, didn't have summer school. You know, my you know, kids just stayed at home in the summer and did whatever. And uh, my dad always had chores for me. We had a big garden, and I guess who did the garden? It was me. It was me. 
and my brother. And so we had to work in the garden and do all kinds of things. And then uh, and my dad always had kind of all kinds of things to do around the house and around the yard. And, and he built a big garage and, and built it out of used materials. And I had to take the nails out of the used boards. I had to, I had to, uh, I had to take a ball-peen hammer and a chisel and chisel off the, the concrete off of bricks that were reused. I did all that during the summer. Oh, yeah. I had to work hard. And, and so I say, Daddy, well, I want to go do so-and-so. Have you, have you finished what I asked you to do? Well, no, sir. Well, he said, well, don't, don't even ask me then. And see, that's the way the Lord is. If I'm not respectful of the book that he wrote, he went over 14 to 1600 years, 40 different authors, went to all that expanse and trouble to have the word of God put together for me to read, know, understand, and hear from God. If I neglect that, why would he want to even talk to me? Does that make sense? I mean, all of us are the same. We're all special kids to God, but you got to go the right route if you want to hear from him. How many hear me? So, you know, this general guidance, obeying the word of God. What do you mean by obeying the word? If God says don't gossip, then you shut your mouth when people talk about others. And don't let your ears be a bucket that listens to gossip. You walk away and say, I'm not listening to that. I'm not doing that. They're not present and you're saying that? No, no, not me. You go talk to them, not me, right? You know, obeying the word is if God says love your neighbor as yourself, will you love that per- person whose dog poops in your yard? And you love that person who... I know, right? I got a story. I don't have time to tell it. I do love that person. I appreciate that person so much. His dog pooped in my yard. And I had to love him anyway. You know, and, and you love, love the people who don't treat you kindly and nicely. Love the person who's taking advantage of you at the job. And you're doing all the work and they're getting all the credit. God said love them anyway, right? Huh? Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Do you forgive people who offend you? See, that's obeying the word, right? So if I'll obey the general guidance of the word of God in my daily life, it sets me up for God to speak to me in specific things. But if I'm just giving a deaf ear to his word, you know, he won't even talk because I'm not in position to hear. How many hear me? In fact, listen to this. I've got to summarize. I'll come back and start maybe with this next time. John 16, 13. However, when he, the spirit of truth. Everybody say spirit of truth. There's something about the Holy Spirit. He loves the Bible. He loves the word. And when he speaks. You know, I talked to you uh, at the beginning here about being young. And these guest speakers and my pastor and others saying, well, God said this and God said that. For a few years, I was just flummoxed. I was thinking, well, God, you're speaking to all these people, but you're not talking to me. And he never said anything to me. When you go whine to God, guess what he does? Nothing. So I whined for a long time. God, you don't ever talk to me. You don't ever do anything for me. You're talking to that person. You're doing that. But what about me? What, a, what about me? Don't you care? I'm a Bible school graduate for crying out loud. I mean, I read my Bible every day. I pray. I mean, come on. And he didn't say anything. And one day it dawned on me. In fact, I was jogging one day in Tulsa. And it hit me. God's been speaking to me for years and I hadn't been listening. I said, what? Because while I was jogging, a scripture came up to me. And I kept thinking this scripture. I said, well, Lord, are that you? Is that you? He said, that's been me for years, Mitch, <laughs> basically. And this morning, I was in my office, you know, making sure I'm presentable to come out here. And the Lord spoke. Isaiah 10, 27. Sometimes if you know the reference, he'll tell you the reference. Some, most of the time, I just get a phrase. What is that? See, if you'll get quiet, God will speak a scripture. The Holy Spirit inside of you, something will buoy up. He'll start with the word. And once you listen and give ear to the word, he'll go a step further. And you can hear, yeah, you don't buy that house there. Wait, wait. Don't do that business deal. Wait. I have something better. How many hear me? Or don't marry that person. Even though you've tried to suck the lips off of their face. Don't marry that person. How many hear me? And then we get upset. And then want to do it anyhow. Right? However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me. When the Holy Spirit's in manifestation, 
It makes Jesus big. How many hear me? He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Isn't that great? All that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said, he will take of mine and declare it to you. That's why, y'all, you're in safe place. If you'll read, not just read your Bible, think about it and put it into practice in the, in the tough things that life brings. If you'll do that, you're a candidate for God to speak. And y'all, when you hear the voice of God in the details of life and listen, you'll always be blessed. Some ending, darkness is coming. Foreboding things are happening. Nobody knows what to do. But if you'll listen to the word, you will dwell in the secret place of the Most High. And it'll seem like all hell is falling all around you, but it won't touch you because you become a favorite of the Father. Everybody's God's favorite child if they'll just love on Him through His Word.